You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. How's it going, guys? Hank here. And no, do not adjust your set. Tom obviously was not able to be with us on this episode today. But I am here and I am going to be filling in. And unfortunately, we had a lot of other people that were not able to be able to show up this week on Review and Preview. So it'll be me tonight as your host. And joining me today as my guest co-host, I had to kind of go out of my boy and borrow somebody from the other network that I do shows with that would be empty the bench and making his I believe you're making your review preview debut that would be none other than Nick Morgison Nick how's it going oh my god this is so much fun I watch this show every week now I get to be on it as a guest co-host this is awesome yeah I know I'm really excited we've got a lot of football stuff to talk about with you guys and um You know, before we get right into the meat and potatoes of this all, I want to give you guys a friendly neighborhood reminder. Please don't forget to follow us on all of our social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Review and Preview Sports. And of course, please don't forget to hit that big red button down below. Give us a like, give us a comment, and please share the show wherever you're watching this, whether you're watching this on Facebook Live or whether you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're watching this on Facebook and you, you, you can get, please give us a like. It helps out with the algorithm and more people will be able to watch our show. And I'm sure the same thing will apply to fly to YouTube. And of course, if you're watching on us live, please don't, don't hesitate to give us a comment. We would love to interact with you guys. You guys are just as much a part of the show as we are. And without further ado, I believe we should get to talking about week nine of the NFL season and, It was a lot of fun. There were some very interesting games that happened in week nine. And obviously, we're not going to get into all of them. But first off, I think we ought to start off talking about the Eagles and the Texans. Obviously, Philadelphia ended up surviving a bit of a scare in this one. And I actually want to give you a fun fact about this one. So this game actually was played at the same time as the World Series. And this was during game five. In both game five and in this one, Eagles and the Texans scored a touchdown on their opening drive. And in the World Series, the Astros and the Phillies ended up scoring a run in the first inning. Interesting fact I thought I'd share with you. Hey, that is a fun fact. By the way, it was interesting how those timings worked out with both those games. I know uh, our other good friend, Johnny Montalbano, was watching, would say, hey, we should have pushed the World Series game earlier. I agree. First of all, the World Series game should have been earlier. Let the NFL game have its own track. Let the World Series have its own track. But sometimes we just can't have nice things. 
Yeah, no, and I could blame a certain commissioner for that, but I think there's a reason why they have the MLB games played at nighttime, but it would have been nice to have like that game go a little bit earlier, just like with the old school. And, you know, I think we knew it was only a matter of time before the Philadelphia Eagles pulled away and got that win. But this definitely was an example of a trap game, in my opinion. Yeah. And we have, we had a lot of good games. Week nine was interesting because we all thought that it was going to be a bad week. There was a lot of bad games, but we ended up actually getting a lot of, interesting and unique and entertaining games out of week nine. Yeah. And that's how I've pretty much felt like every single week of the NFL season. Now it's weird because we've gone over records many times, whether it's on this show or on our other shows, like we've been so far off on some of these games. We've been off on the spreads because again, NFL is probably the most predictable, unpredictable game to figure out the scores. Yes, for sure. But, as far as the Eagles go, definitely have to give them credit where credit is due. I was not expecting them to go eight and zero. When tell me your takeaways about the play of Justin of uh, Jalen Hurts this year. Jalen Hurts, you almost have to consider, and we're going to get to this a little bit later. But first half MVP, maybe MVP for the year, maybe he's up there in that discussion. Him and AJ Brown are probably the number one duo so far in this NFL season. I, I dare you to tell me another combination that might be better. I mean, I know from your side of view, maybe the Giants, Daniel Jones, and Saquon Barkley have been pretty good, but I maybe, but I would yeah, say... I don't know if I put them at number one. but Not number one, but they're up there. They've had a good year so far. Right. Um, right. But I would say definitely Jalen Hurts and uh, A.J. Brown have been the top duo. So I would say they... Jalen Hurts has come out of his shell... He can run the ball. He can throw the football. He's not afraid to throw the football. We see deep throws from him down the field, willing to take risks. He looks amazing so far. We have to see if he keeps it up in the second half. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. But, but you know, their schedule has been pretty manageable and very easy. So as much as I want to give them credit, and they have a pretty talented team. Don't get me wrong. They did a good job at the trade deadline by getting Robert Quinn to bolster their pass rush. And I would say that was definitely a good acquisition, but then obviously you look at the schedule and I think you definitely have to take that into consideration, but we'll get back to them in a little bit. You had the Los Angeles chargers winning a very close game against the Atlanta Falcons and the Falcons could have easily stolen this game. The Falcons have been a surprise in so far this whole year. Everyone thought the Falcons were going to be a basement team, and Marcus Mariota was pretty much there to clean up the stopgap. But he's actually played competitive football. I didn't think it would happen. And they had a stat, and I don't know if it's still out there, but they pretty much covered every home game for the most part this year. So... I don't know. You can't sleep on them. They're going to be competitive. They might not win a lot of games, but they're going to make teams sweat when they play. Yeah, no, the Falcons are definitely a scrappier team, but I think also the only reason they're even competitive is, of course, because they are in what this year might be considered the NFC least, which really is the NFC South. I mean, looking at that division, I mean, heck, and I'm sure we'll talk about Thursday night football this week being Carolina and the Falcons. I mean, Look at the way the games have fallen, and I think you and I were talking about this before we came on here. The Tampa Bay is basically a de facto first place team until someone knocks them off, essentially. And I don't know, Carolina is a is a gar is garbage. That's the nicest thing I can say 
And I think you're being too mild about them. I'm trying to be fair, but I don't know. Baker Mayfield ended up getting back on the field after PJ Walker ended up having a a garbage of first half and it was 35 nothing and he made it manageable at 35 to like 21 at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that was great by any stretch, but no. that quarterback situation is a nightmare. Oh, yeah, no. And I really don't envy the situation that they have going forward. I mean, they pretty much had to do a fire sale. They have a new coach at this point. And once again, I'm going to say this. Thank God the Giants avoided the Matt Rule trap. It's crazy because I remember when he first hit the market and he was like the hot commodity coach. Everyone was willing to give him five, six, seven years as a head coach, which, by the way, we're noticing that coaching contracts are turning into like what baseball long term contracts are and they don't work out. And make no mistake, it made sense at the time when when Carolina hired Matt Rule, because you look look at his track record. He had he had good programs at Temple and Baylor that he pretty much built from the ground up and got them into bowl games. I think he even won some of those bowl games too with Baylor and Temple. Then you go to the NFL and people thought he would do the same thing, but then we forget the problem is the NFL is tougher to coach than it is in college. If you've like been in college for like a good amount of time. But for me, what scared me off about Matt rule was the fact that Carolina even offered him that jar, that gargantuan contract. But at the end of the day, I don't think you you or I really feel too badly for him because, as I said, he's still he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid regardless. He's get paid, and you know that somebody is going to end up hiring him eventually. Oh my god, a desperate team that needs a coach, and a, and another one I I'll say now, and I'm sure we'll get to later is Cliff Kingsbury is another one. I'm sure we're going to be talking about how he yeah. still has a job. And I I had a hot take on my on my show the other day that I think if. Arizona loses. I think he could be fired after the game if they lose. If he loses, so oh, I think he should be. I think I don't think that uh, that team is well managed, and they're they're wasting away Kyler Kyler Murray's prime. And um, another good game for me was the Dolphins and the Bears. I think Def, Justin Fields definitely has potential as a Chicago Bears starting quarterback. He really hung in there with the Miami Dolphins, who you could say defensively that wasn't one of their best games, but. Once again, I think Tua has definitely carried that team. And I'll tell you a fun fact. Tyreek Hill might very well be on pace to be one, the first receiver with like over 2,000 yards in a season. He's he's having such an insane year. I think that's another guy we could probably be talking about when we get to the MVP discussion. I mean, they call him Cheetah for a reason because he's one of the fastest guys in all the NFL. This man is making one-handed catches. He's making Odell Beckham's catch look insane. I mean, if you saw some of those catches he's making, because some of these throws are not great. I mean, Tua's coming into his own, learning how to throw the football. But some of these throws, he's making Tua look better. And also, you have guys like Waddle who are making Tua look better. When you, when you can have uh, Tyreek on one side and Waddle on another, you almost are unbeatable. And they got a good run game, too, with Raheem Mostert. And they also brought in, uh, what, Jeff Wilson also? I mean, so yep. that team is going to be scary down the stretch. Oh, and we haven't even gotten to the into the reinforcements that have been made for that team with the addition of Bradley Chubb, which I think was an absolute steal. Steal. I think they got I think he was traded for pennies on the dollar for like, the way he got traded. Oh, my gosh. That's a major loss for the Denver Broncos. And. I w- and then we got to talk about the Green Bay Packer game and um, 
losing to the Detroit Lions. Oof. What are they on a five game losing streak now? I mean, this... Aaron Rodgers threw two picks in the end zone when driving his team all the way down the field. He looks lost. He looks lost out there. I don't even think it's injuries anymore. Like people are blaming his thumb injury for why he's not playing. He just looks lost. His wide receivers are lost. I think a wide receiver and then also a guy on the defensive side also were injured in in the middle of that game. Not that I'm making excuses for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers needs to play more like Aaron Rodgers to make this team go. Now, if you really want to get into semantics about Aaron Rodgers and say, well, he's making $50 million this year, and they had to basically say, goodbye, Devontae Adams. Now, they have no wide receivers. Their running game is hurt. I think Jamal Williams was hurt. And, uh, or not Jamal Williams, uh, who's the starting running back for uh, Green Bay now? Um, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is hurt. Jamal Williams is on the Lions now. Aaron Jones is hurt. And half the team is on the injured list coming up for week 10. So I can't even pick them to win this coming week. No, I, I don't, I don't think I will either. But, and which is strange because usually Aaron Rodgers seems to have a habit of winning games against the Dallas Cowboys. But the problem is I think Dallas has a much better defense at this point and they're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. It doesn't I mean, matter the Packers are the home team at the, in this game. Well, think about the, the jets, the jets went in as a major underdog and they completely destroyed the Packers at home. Lambeau is not the big home field advantage anymore that it once was when we were a lot younger and we were watching the giants and the jets it was scary going into Lambeau Field. Now, unless we're these... talking about a few playoff games that I very fondly remember in history. <laughs> right. But now, like, everyone's walking into Lambeau saying, Lambeau Leap, shove your Lambeau Leap. I'm going to go in and beat you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the Lions are another team that have been pretty scrappy. I mean, I know the record hasn't exactly shown, but I mean, you know Dan Campbell's like trying to force him to play hard, even though I'm not quite as sold on Dan Campbell as I was like a while back. His methods are a little strange, too, to be honest. They uh, are, but some of his play calling has left me like scratching my head. That's what I mean. Part of his play calling and part of his rituals of getting players to and get up and play. This too, because he's a Giants legend, pretty much. I mean, he was a good tight end in the early 2000s for them. I mean, you can ask Tom. He's an, he's another big damn Campbell fan. No, no, I totally, to- I totally respect him as a as a player and back in the day. But his coaching tendencies and the amount of coffee he drinks uh, are a little mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> Speaking of the NFC North, we do have a comment from Tom. He says Skull, and we yes. know that Tom kind of has a soft spot for the Minnesota Vikings and. He's pretty happy that the Vikings had a big win against the Washington Commanders on the road in FedEx Field. Yeah, the the Vikings are probably, uh, and this is odd and bizarre, but I'm going to say the Vikings are playing like the best team in football right now. You very well could make the case for that to be true, I would say, with the Minnesota Vikings. Because look at them. I mean, now, be careful because... You don't want to pick the Vikings in a primetime football game because a certain Cousins is starting at quarterback, and that never uh, works out for you. But any other game, fine. I'll take them to win. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got he's given them some a good year this year for sure, though. That's the thing. No doubt. He's playing great, and Justin Jefferson finally decided to wake up and say, oh, wait, I'm an elite wide receiver? Yes, I am. I can catch footballs. So 
it took him a little while. It took him about five or six games, but he's alive. Yeah, that's all you could ask for. And um, so Jaguars, Raiders, I'm not really going to gloss talk m- much about this one. Good comeback for the Jaguars. And you want to know a fun fact? Sure. The Jaguars have had two major comebacks in the fourth quarter. Both yeah. happen to have been against the, the Las Vegas Raiders. I, the one thing I will say is, what is going on with the Raiders? I, I'm i telling you, they should have kept Versace. Uh, well, and I agree with you. He was a great or, guy. Not only that, I don't even think keeping Bisaccia or letting him go was the issue. I think you probably would have been better off maybe, I don't know, not going with a failed Belichick disciple. Well, can we admit one thing? And I'm so tired of this with Josh McDaniels also. Everyone says Josh McDaniels is the offensive genius and that uh, he knows how to do everything. Comment uh, warranted right there. Yes. And I just... I mean, Garth. Yes. Uh, Josh McDaniels is not the offensive genius that everyone says. I'm so tired of this. He's been... Didn't he... He had a failed uh, cup of coffee in Denver also, didn't he? I'm going to give you another fun fact that I actually got from uh, Jaguar Gator 9 in one of his videos that he did about Josh McDaniels. So when the Raiders started 0-3, he became the third coach in the modern day. I know there were two others, but they were like way before the Super Bowl era. So I'm not going to mention those two. He became the third coach in the modern era to start 0-3 in his second tenure after being under 500 in his previous tenure without a playoff win. Oh my God. Are you ready for the other two coaches in that discussion? I am. You're not going to like it. Adam Gase. And Rex Ryan. Nope. Try Eric Mangini. Oh, Belichick assistant. (laughs) Oh, and both Jets coaches. Oh, (laughs) and I remember both times I was tortured by both of them. Oh, well, not only did you get two Jets coaches, but as I said, another failed Belichick assistant. Can we also say that the Belichick coaching tree does not work? There's certain coaching trees that work. You have the Popovich one in the NBA, which seems to be working for the most part. But in the NFL, stay away from the Belichick coaching tree. Andy Reid, I think, has a much better coaching tree because you can say what you want about Doug Peterson. At least he won a Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think he's partially turning around the Jaguar system where he is. Hopefully. Uh, maybe. We'll see. I don't, I don't really that, like a lot of his play calling. Well, it's going to take some long term. They need someone to stay there for the long term. And I'm, and the last coach they had kind of was not the right choice. Well, I'll tell you a fun fact about Doug Peterson. He now has more wins than that previous coach in Jaguars history. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but um, anyways, um. New England Patriots absolutely clobbered the Indianapolis Colts. And that's crazy that the AFC East has like no teams under 500. Who, who would have thought the AFC East where I nail bite 24 seven, watching my own team um, would have been this competitive. Now we all knew the bills are a Super Bowl favorite. That was obvious. Then you had the dolphins who were going to be way more competitive than they've ever been. But then you start going below. The Jets are six and three now. I mean, like, holy cow. No one thought this was going to be competitive at all. No, I figured that the Buffalo Bills would be like, I figured maybe the Bills and the Dolphins, but not the other half of the division. Like the Jets, I figured it would be another development year, but I knew they'd at least make progress, but not to this extent. That's for sure. I mean, look, I remember you made a TikTok saying I'm ready for the Jets to go at 17. (laughs) 
Uh, of course. Well, I, I, know. Robert, I think Robert Paul <laughs> is reading your red receipt on that. I mean, uh, I'll tell you a quick uh, little antidote. So I got a notification from Bart Scott. I'm not kidding you. On my Instagram uh, post when I put the video up. Mm-hmm. And he actually liked my Instagram post of that video. <laughs> That's a true story. If you go to my Instagram, you will see a like on that post from Bart Scott. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, and so speaking of the Patriots, that was the one team that I thought would like be under 500, but it just goes to show you Bill's still going to win games every now and then for them. So, I mean, I'm still frustrated that the Jets didn't win that game against the Patriots because oh, of the they way won that game. Think about how different the top of the division would look right now if they had won that game. And then this one, they probably they probably would be in first. <laughs> now, as far as the Colts go, I want to get to them a little bit. That team is. Oy vey, that is an absolute... Hi, hi Jeff Saturday. Hi. I mean, <laughs> good for him that he has a job, but, like, you know you know what this reeks of. This reeks Desperation? Of, per se, wanting to, like, maybe get fans interested by hiring a legend, but it also reeks of the fact that I think he might be a yes-man to Jim Ursay because, look, oh, yeah. that guy is one of the worst owners in the NFL. Like, Oh, my God. Every, like... He fancied himself as somebody who was successful for a long time, but the only reason he had that success was because one, Peyton Manning fell right into his lap with the draft. And number two, you had Bill Polian making so many great decisions for so many years. And then by the time Bill Polian left, you, I would say you luck into your replacement quarterback right there and see what I did there. And you yes. really didn't know what you had with that replacement quarterback until you couldn't take care of him and maybe hire a GM that could, you know, build an offensive line around him. I'm looking at you, Ryan Grigson. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but and then I'm, and look, Ballard, I'll say this, he was marginally better, but that's the thing. Marginally better. Because- I don't know. The Colts organization is questionable to me. Like you said, Ursay wouldn't be where he is without Hall of Famers that were yeah. there originally. Peyton will be a Hall of Famer. The only reason Ryan Grigson even had a winning record when he was the general manager of the Colts was because of Andrew Luck. Right. And I mean, there's a lot of people debate whether Andrew Luck is a good quarterback because he had all those injuries. Now, I'm not going to debate as much of that because, again, he had injuries and the front office was a big issue. But I don't know. I don't like the front office and I don't like Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay, between on the field issues and off the field issues uh, with all his skeletons in the closet. I don't know what to believe, to be honest. So, Can we be honest about this, though? Yeah. The Colts should have just purged. Like, Chris Ballard shouldn't like shouldn't have a job either. Like, no. I'm not saying that Frank Reich is, is blameless because he isn't. I mean, look, he did go – I'll give him this. He did have a winning record in – four and a half years as head coach of the Colts and look at all the quarterbacks that he went through, but whose fault is it that he had to go through Andrew Luck at the end, Jacoby Brissett, Philip Rivers at the end of his career. But you know what though? I can't blame. And then Carson year and then, and now Matt Ryan and now Sam Ellinger. I mean, if you're going to go from being praised for a turnaround season in 2018, which Let's not kid ourselves. Probably doesn't happen without Andrew Luck. Agreed. Having Sam Ellinger as your quarterback. That's an embarrassment. I'm sorry. Probably fucked up somewhere. 
Yeah, it's an embarrassment. It's, it's having Sam Ellinger. For, from most of the five years. Hasn't really done much. And you want to know another fun fact? Yeah. Blake Bortles has more division titles than Chris Ballard during his panel <laughs> <Chris Bannell> manager. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not kidding. Blake Bortles not only has more division titles, he has more playoff wins. Well, that doesn't surprise me. But or I would just say they might have the same amount of playoff wins. But either way. But Chris Ballard, the experiment is not working. The division. They didn't even win the division that year. They went 11 and 5. I think Houston won that one. And that's another whole debate we could have over whether an 11 and 5 record should really be a division winner in certain places and not in other places. But no, I just I, remember he was getting praised a lot as being the guy who turned around the Colts after that one disastrous year in 17. But now I think we're starting to see the real thing about Ballard. He's not a good GM. And I think it all it all goes back to how poorly they're managed, and people realize once again that Ursay really was lucky to even have all those accomplishments. I mean, I'll reverse it on you. I'll give you a fun fact about Jeff Saturday. So, do Let's you know the hot? Do you know the highest level Jeff Saturday is coached at? High school. High school, yes. So you have someone who's at high school level coaching ability, who is an ESPN analyst. Now he's the head coach. And on top of that, you have a 30-year-old, no-name, sorry, not trying to be mean, but 30-year-old, no-name, uh, being the offensive play caller, who's never done it before. Again, what does that tell you about how the Colts are run? Not good. <laughs> now we got to talk about your New York Jets. 20-17 okay. win over the Buffalo Bills, and Nick, I'm going to let you take the floor with that one since you're the Jets fan. So I nail-bited through most of this game. Um, I really thought this was going to be a blowout. I was, And I know you guys don't talk about the lines as much on the game, but when I was looking at it, I That's just... That's a Nick D thing. But I just want to make a point. When looking at the line, it was a large, large line. Like, they were talking about 11 to 12-point deficit for, uh, I mean, uh, for the Jets. So I just said, that's kind of weird that they're expecting the Bills to win by double digits on the road of all places and the Jets being a top defense. And I kept saying to myself, the Jets are going to win this game on defense, not offense. So and you've you and I have debated this next thing I'm about to say, which is with Zach Wilson, which, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not happy with Zach Wilson at all. Right. And I get it. And I actually listen back to what you said on game on also where you were saying, all right, maybe I got to calm down a little bit. And he's only again, keep in mind, I wasn't saying it directly towards you. No, no, no. But I agree with you though, but I agree with you in a sense that maybe I need to come down a level a little bit and understand. All right. He's in his second year and you got to give him the chance to uh, air the football out, which I don't know if this is exactly the best system for Zach Wilson because all they're doing is ground and pounding the football, which that's been around since Rex Ryan was a coach in the early 2010s. Don't get me wrong. They won two AFC championships back in 2010. But if you can't throw the... They made it to AFC championships. I mean, excuse me. They made it to two AFC championships. You're right. And But if you can't throw the football in today's modern NFL, you're going to get killed if you can't throw the football. Quarterback's league. And if you, I just remember, and going back to the game against the Patriots for a second, almost getting sacked out of the back of the end zone and not throwing the football away or 
throwing, trying to throw the ball outside the uh, sideline and trying, but not making it all the way to the sideline. And then when you look at this game, just trying to make proper decisions offensively. He's not willing to use his feet to get out of the pocket and run. It reminds me, and you're going to laugh at this, but it kind of reminds me of Eli Manning. Oh, oh gosh. Because Eli, if you remember during the prime, right before the prime stretch, when they won, he didn't move his feet and he would get sacked a lot because he wouldn't get out of the pocket or at least throw the ball away. Same thing with Zach Wilson. He's not willing to move his feet. Instead, he's willing to take the sack. It should remind you of another quarterback they had who's up in Seattle right now slinging it in Geno Smith. When Geno Smith was here with the Jets, he didn't move his feet. What happened? He got sacked. So this game was strictly based on defense. They won down the stretch on that last drive on the Bills' side of the field, making that great play on Josh Allen, and he might have gotten hurt also, and pushing that ball back 21 yards won them the game. But I still think Zach Wilson screwed up because he didn't score that touchdown in the red zone. That could have cost them the game because they only got three instead of seven. Right. I, so, no, I, I agree with you. That's that's what's frustrating to me, that he can't throw the football. Now, the guys were telling me, and I was talking to you and Johnny about this, he had that one game where he aired it out, what, 40-something times? That I don't know which game that was where he aired it out 40-something times. And people said, well, he didn't look good. He didn't do this. But that's okay. I'd rather him throw the ball 30, 35 times because he's not been doing it. So, I don't know. But great game for the Jet defense. That's why they win the game, and that's why they're going to win games going forward, the defense. Now, let me ask you this. What do you think the Jets' magic number win-wise would be for them to go go into the playoffs? See, and like you said, and it's funny now, because I thought they weren't going to win any games this year, but... Yeah, at and, six. And, and me and Johnny like had to talk you out of a legend in order to <laughs> convince you otherwise. So they won six. I mean, the way the division is going now, the Bills are the top team. But if Josh Allen is out, that division is wide open. That AFC is wide open. So I hope that being on the bye week this week, take a little time to recover from the injuries. They had quite a few, including on their wide receiver. Uh, core, but if they can get nine wins, I'd be happy with that. I think that gets them into the playoff push. And well, I mean, the first game after the bye week is a must win because you, you don't want to lose the tiebreaker to the Patriots. No, you you have to. And and the disappointing no part that the games in New England, you have to win. You I don't care. To. You you have to win that game. I don't care if it's in Germany where the game is this week. I don't care. You got to win the game. That, that was disappointing because think about it. You would have a whole different momentum going in if you won the Patriots game and then you won the Bills game. You would have a chance to own the tiebreaker on top of being possibly in first. But you know what? It is what it is. If you can get to nine wins, I think you're fine going into the playoffs. And then whatever happens in the playoffs is a crapshoot. You have to hope you win one game each each week. I mean, yep. As long as you get into the dance, I think anything's possible. And yeah, as far as... As far as Zach Wilson goes, I think for see for me, my thinking is the Jets are really pretty much just asking him not to lose games. Like he's still at like the early stage of his career. This is what his like 
second year, like as a starting quarterback. And, you know, the way I think about it, year one, year two, you're still building the team around it. It's all about, you know, don't lose games, go out, play your best, but just don't, don't be the one that loses. And, you know, if you look at it in that department, based off of what happened the first few games, the Jets are pretty much four and one when they asked Zach Wilson not to lose games this year. So, And by the way, Garrett Wilson looks amazing. Like that was a surprise to me in every way, shape or form. We did not know what to expect. This man is making Zach Wilson look like a saint throwing the football. Like he's taking, he's taking throws that are way off in the distance and making them catches. So if he plays well, and then the one trade James Robinson from the Jaguars for what a conditional sixth. I mean, what the hell that, thinking? that was a steal. I'm like, all right, we'll take him fine with me. <laughs> and he's playing great. <laughs> So the next few games, let me try to wrap up this recap. Seahawks ended up beating up on the Cardinals 31 to 21. I think Arizona is in really big danger. And I think their game this week is going to be an absolute must win. But Seattle's still in decent shape. I'm still not 100% sure that they hold on to the vision because I think there is another team looming in the NFC West that can catch them. And you and I both agree on that one. By the way, in Arizona, did you see on the sideline that Kyler and uh, Hopkins were drawing at each other on the sideline. Yeah, that was nuts. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, chemistry much? No. I mean, well, if Kyler would stop playing video games all the time, maybe, and did his homework, sorry, had to do it. Uh, if he actually did his homework, maybe they would actually play better. Yeah, no, for sure. And then you had the Buccaneers with that crazy comeback win against the Rams. And I think this might be the first time I've ever really had to say vintage Tom Brady. Tom Brady looks like a shell of himself. And I hate to say it like you do, because we've been privileged over our life to see great quarterbacks. Tom Brady, when he plays well, Aaron Rodgers, when he plays well, even if it means our teams are getting embarrassed and they're not doing well here in New York, but... We were very lucky over the years. Now we're starting to see shells of themselves as quarterbacks. So, and now we're seeing that uh, Matt Stafford is in concussion protocol for the Rams. So, what are you yeah. going to do? Yeah, I think I I think the Rams are probably done at this point. The Rams are, and and everyone had them as Super Bowl uh, return return right back right. Yeah, yeah run, run that back. Well, look, I, I have, I, I'm starting to think that F them picks is gonna is now finally come back to haunt them. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm scared to look at our NFL preview show that you and I did. I'm afraid they, they sold their soul with a lot of those picks, or they sold their soul to win that Super Bowl. Essentially, they, what did they give away? Like seven or eight picks at least. Nick. I'm going to be in my early 30s by the time they have another first round pick. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about that. I'm going to be in my early 30s. It's so and crazy. Good Chiefs, a good Chiefs win over the Titans, who really have always been a thorn in Patrick Mahomes' side, if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know what to say with Tennessee. Tennessee was leading most of that game. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes said, you know what? I'm going to wake up and be Patrick Mahomes and win. By the way, I forgot to get to this uh, comment by Garth. Back-to-back Sunday Night Football games for my Los Angeles Chargers. That's going to be fun watching Justin Herbert play in the big time. Well, you're talking. he's talking about the flex, right? Is that what he's yes. talking about? 
And I think that was a good choice because I don't know if anybody should really be watching the Steelers playing a Sunday night game. Well, if the two teams were actually good, that would have been a rival matchup, Steelers Bengals. But well, both yeah, teams, <clears throat> both teams are in trouble right now. So, in the words of urinating trees, tree sweet, no one should be subject to watching Matt Canada's offense. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But uh, in any event, let's get to the AFC. So. Who do you think is is probably the best team in the AFC? Now, for me, I pretty much have had my answer for a long time. And I think me, I, like so many other people, were very high on the Buffalo Bills. I thought this was the year for them to finally put things together. And I'm not necessarily ruling out that idea. I mean, yeah, they had that bad loss to the, to the New York Jets, but... I think the only thing that really concerns me now regarding the Buffalo Bills is the injury to Josh Allen. And I'm hearing that he might play through it, but he also missed practice. So I am kind of skeptical about that. And I think it really ruins what would have been a really good matchup for them this week against the Minnesota Vikings too. Yeah. I mean, the Bills going into the season where the odds uh, on favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. They are one of the most complete teams when Josh Allen is healthy. Keyword, healthy. And they got uh, Himes from uh, the Colts, which I thought was a great move. Mm-hmm. And they have Diggs, who, by the way, looks like a new player now that he showed up in Buffalo. <clears throat> so the Bills, I, in my opinion, are probably a 1 or a 1A, maybe. And I would say the Dolphins are probably right up there behind them, to be honest. Tua looks like a transformed quarterback. I mean, do you remember in year one, he couldn't even throw the football. All he was doing was running and then getting hurt because all he was he was being Lamar Jackson without throwing the football. I mean, now he looks like he can throw. He gets out of the pocket. Just got to be a little careful because, again, with the concussion, because he has a tendency to overrun the football at times. But now that you have two threats in Hill and Waddle, you're more happy to throw the football down the field. So I would say the Bills and the Dolphins are one and two or one A and one B. And uh, Tom says, I don't think it's a bad loss. The Jets are a good football team. I mean, it's a bad loss in the sense that, like, you might be losing your quarterback. And even if he does play, you don't know what he's going to be like going forward. But with that having been said, I do agree that I think the Jets are a better team. So in that sense, yeah, it's not as surprising considering you're on the road against a divisional foe. I'm just surprised that, like I said, the way the game was supposed to go. Now, we obviously know the NFL, nothing is supposed to go anyway, as we've learned all year. But I thought the Bills were going to crush the Jets at ha- on the road, but with their great defense, they make any line go away. So again, I don't think you're right. I don't think it's a bad loss, but it was a little shocking to say, to be honest. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that take 100%. And as far as the teams in the AFC, I think Kansas city is still very much a threat. I mean, Patrick Mahomes still looks good. Even, even without having Tyree kill, he's still able to spread the ball around the field to all his different weapons. You still have Travis Kelsey, who's 
one of the best tight ends in the league. And I, I would say greatest tight end they've ever had, but then Tony Gonzalez played for them years ago. <laughs> the one thing I would say about the chiefs, and I've made this joke many times, can the offense outscore the defense? That's the, what I say all the time, because we all know the offense is going to be there for the chiefs. Like you, you just named all those weapons off the top of your head that they have many. Clyde many. Edwards -Lair, I didn't even mention him too either. <laughs> They have a run game. They have a receiving game. Mahomes can get out of the pocket and even throw shovel passes like a basketball player throwing an assist, neither here nor there. But the defense, if they're going to put up as much points as the offense, they're not going to win. That's the problem. And I think just the unfortunate loss to the Bills with that horrible throw at the end of the game, because they could have won that game easily. They just oh, Very much so. But the Bills' defense is just in another world and they are they're a complete team and they're complete offensively as long as we said josh allen is healthy and defense they look healthy they should be the favorite but i like the chiefs also yeah i would put the chiefs up there to me miami though is sneaky good i think tua is i've been I've been pretty high on Tua Tonga Vailoa for a while. So this isn't me just being Johnny come lately because of how good that the Mi good the Miami Dolphins are. Always knew he had potential. I just thought that he needed a more offensive oriented system. And hey, maybe Brian, maybe getting rid of Brian Flores and replacing him with McDaniel wasn't such a bad thing after all. I mean, I feel bad for Brian Flores and everything that I happened do, to him. I do too. Don't get me wrong, but when you can when you look back at his coaching tenure, it makes sense, but that's a story for another day. That's neither here nor there. I like McDaniel though. I think McDaniel's he fantastic. He looks great. Now it was a little suspect the way the concussion situation was a little bit handled, right. but but he is a good coach. He's a great motivator. He's getting those players out to play. The chemistry, and we don't talk about this. The Dolphins had horrible chemistry over the last couple of years. They could I not would say that he's the second best coaching hire of that was made this year. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't think I'm being biased in the first one, even though it may seem like it. Oh no, I think he's a good hire too. To be honest, I agree. You're talking about Dabble with the Giants for sure. Talk about motivator. Talk about talk about a guy who motivates his players to play, except for a certain wide receiver that makes seventy two million dollars a year. But <laughs> that's a yeah, whole that, different. That, that blood's not on his hands. That's true. You're right. I'll give you that one. That blood is not on his hands. Even though I did hear he might play this coming week, but. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that either, but we'll like see. you, like you said, Miami's going to be great down the stretch, and I'll be happy if they go far and they make a run, maybe towards the Super Bowl. If they did, I'd be happy for them, even though I really don't want their owner benefiting from anything after all that stuff with the casino stuff. Oh yeah, I was just going to say that couldn't have happened to a least deserving owner. Stephen Ross is just, <laughs> but I'd be happy for the Dolphins if they won. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, for sure. And they've got a pretty interesting set of games coming up too. You got the, you got after the Texans, that's their first game of the bye week. You got the 49ers and the Chargers and then the Bills, which I would consider to be a gauntlet, but how they do in that game, I think will be in those games will be like a telltale sign. I mean, if they could win two out of three of those games, that would be amazing if they could. You mean that they, you mean they'd need a meatloaf streak? Yes. Two out of three. <laughs> two <out of> three. <laughs> Yes. Uh, other teams that I think are should be considered for the AFC, I think the Ravens probably should get talked about, but I'm not quite as high on them because defensively they're kind of eh. And 
I've never really been that high on Lamar Jackson, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. I get nervous watching him play, too. Maybe that's just me, but I get worried. One run could be the end of his season. It's happened before. So, and also, who's the running back at this point? Because they keep getting hurt, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm really not sold on them. And the only other team I can see, I mean, Cincinnati's gotten better, but they're they're flawed. And then the only other team left that I would say is like playoff worthy in the AFC is well, actually, no, I'll I'll, I'll say the Jets are good, but I don't think they're Super Bowl. But best. No, no, no. They'll compete. They'll make a playoff run. I certainly have have them ranked higher than the the than the next team I'm about to say. That's the Tennessee Titans, who are pretty much winner winning that division by default. I mean. And it's interesting. I just wanted to say one thing about the Bengals, which confused me. The game against the Browns, okay, on Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. where they get completely demolished by the Browns. And who was it? It was Hunt and Chubb who put up like four or five touchdowns combined. And you know what the Browns are doing. All they do is run the football. And that's what scares me about the Bengals. There's no chemistry. Burrow is on one week, off another week, and then the defense is not there. So that's one thing about them. The Titans, it's a question mark on who the quarterback is going to be every week. Is it going to be Wills, or is it going to be Tannenhill? Not like either of them are great options. And then Derrick Henry is the only reason you're still in games. I mean, the man has to put up 200-plus yards every week just to be competitive. My namesake. (laughs) But But, yes. Yeah, no, I I would definitely agree. I think my top three are the Bills. I, I still I'm still going to put the Bills up there because I still think they're a complete team. It's just a matter of what's up with their quarterback. Miami is a sneaky one, and then I didn't even mention the Chargers. But the thing is, I feel like that team's being carried by Justin Herbert. It's not their coach. I'll say that much. Oh yeah, no, they win in spite of that guy, not because of him. And let's move over to the NFC and. I think there's really one question here for the NFC. Who hands Philadelphia their first loss? It's a good question. And I know a lot of people are getting frustrated and upset because everyone's like crowning the Eagles to be an undefeated team this year already. Let's pump the brakes. Uh, no, no, no. I agree with you. I think people are jumping. And But you know how the NFL works. Everyone, when they go on streaks, they automatically assume they're just going to win out the rest of the year. And I'm like, come on, slow down. And... Their schedule, and just to go back so far into the first half, you were saying this before, they probably had one of the easiest, easiest schedules of, of the season the so far. The only team that really seemed like a challenge up there was the Vikings in week two, and they clobbered them, but that was also like a road game for Minnesota. So, I, I mean, who knows? maybe Minnesota would win that game if they rematched. I don't know. Jacksonville was a pretty was probably closer than it should have be. The Cardinals, I mean, too close. Yeah, Cardinals was a little too close. Cowboys. Now, let's be honest. Mike McCarthy really fucked up that game. Oh my god! Yeah, and by the way, the Cardinals game was the one where they missed the field goal to tie it, right? I believe so. And then they got you hear you heard them getting all excited about beating Pittsburgh, but I mean, look, this is a very very vulnerable, flawed team. Very very that's. That's being nice about it. A flawed Steelers team, and what's and obviously they don't even they never even win in Philadelphia. That hasn't happened since 1965. So, and think about the situation with the Steelers. Also, no Watt, who I mean, apparently you 
had a close game against the Texans too, which I mean, you won that game, but we also know that's a trap game. Then you have the commanders coming up on Monday night football this coming week. <laughs> Excuse me. And probably going to be a win. The Colts we know are a shit show. That's yeah. The, that's a shit show. That's that. That's not even going to be a competitive game, to be honest. The Packers, um, I thought, could have been a competitive game, but maybe they still find a way to lose to Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers needs to win a game first. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not sold on them until they win a game. And even then, right. I'm still probably not going to be sold on them. Then you have the Titans at home. The Titans are a wild card. Either you're going to get the best of them, or you're going to get the worst of them. You don't. There's no in between. I mean, the Titans could be anything. They could even be a mystery box. <laughs> I, I had a feeling that was coming. <laughs> oh, don't think I wasn't going to go a show without making my favorite Family Guy reference. Wait, it could be a box. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then let's now talk I about think- the one game. Let's talk about the one game, though, that you wanted to talk about on the schedule. The Giants. Mm-hmm. Now... This could be, like you said, I agree with you. This could be a very competitive game. This has been a rivalry over the years that's been very competitive. Now, I think the Eagles, for the most part, have won that rivalry for the most part. Well, except for the yeah. Super Bowls, but well, they have the more recent ones, so I can't. I don't really have a leg to stand on in that argument. Well, but you have more of them. <laughs> we do, but they have the more recent ones, so. They right. kind of still have they they'll they have the more recent one and the Giants have only had one season within the past decade, so they're gonna have more stuff to talk. They have more of a leg to stand on these days. I so will I'm say though that that's yeah. true. That's a good point. I will say though, if the Giants win that game, that would be a statement victory for a team that's really playing well, the Eagles. So if the I Giants win that game. No, and, and I agree with you. Nick, I'm not being you have to keep keep in mind, in our group chats, you have your namesake. Well, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Tom, as in Albano, not yeah. not our Tom of Reavian. Let's Reavian. call it Nick's World. That's what we'll call it. Yes, Nick's World is is very much accurate. You have Tom Albano. That you have them puffing out their chests like the Giants are all of a sudden or at least with the way they talk about their victories and passing with flying colors, you have them talking them up like they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. And you know how I feel about that whenever people like to get all up on their high horse about the Giants. And look, I'm happy about the Giants as much as the average Giants fan. Like, it's been a while since I've gotten to see competitive football. And you can ask, if you ask my esteemed co-host of Big Blue Avenue, and the boss of this very brand, Tom Scavetta, I am sure that he will probably be in agreement with me despite the fact that, you know, he is as hardcore of a Giants fan as I am, if not bigger. But with that being said, you don't see us necessarily puffing out our chests about the Giants. See, but, I... <laughs> but I'm sorry. Now let me get to the Eagles game. Okay. The Giants are scrappy. We Agreed. know that it's been established throughout the season. Right. They always find they often find ways to make comebacks in the second half of their games. I think the Giants have a chance to win. Now, why do I say that? Giants defense 
It doesn't look all flashy. It doesn't necessarily have the superstar names, although a few exceptions you can make are Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, Dexter Lawrence, to name a few. At least their pa- if we're talking about their pass rush, it's lethal. By the way, I have to give you guys credit on the Thibodeau front. He looks really, really, really good. Oh, I, that was a, you know, I was very ecstatic when we drafted him. Secondary is kind of eh, but Julian Love, I definitely really love. He's a jack-of-all-trades player. He does pr- essentially everything. Defensively, I think they can definitely put the pressure on Philadelphia. And quite frankly, I don't know if the Eagles have faced a, a defense that can blitz like the way the Giants have. And that's a credit to Wink Martindale. And I and, love the uh, blitz defense. It looks really good. From, from Tom, Wink's funhouse. <laughs> but I have to give you guys credit. The blitz defense looks really good that you and guys really, use. Listen, Tom and I have praised Patrick Graham in the past. Like, we thought that Graham was an okay defensive coordinator. Like, he wasn't spectacular, like, looking back now. But, like, in the moment, we thought he did a, did a decent job. And I still think Patrick Graham wasn't necessarily that bad. His defense wasn't aggressive the way that Wink Martindale's is. Oh, no. It's a, it's like night and day defense at times. I I think that could be the ultimate factor in the Giants winning. Now, could it be say could we get a Saquon Barkley really good rushing game? Possibly. I think that all depends on how the offensive line does, but this is a much better offensive line, and Andrew Thomas is the pillar. And if we're gonna talk about MVPs, like I think if you're gonna give Saquon Barkley MVP MVP votes, you have to give him to Andrew Thomas too. I oh yeah, totally. In fact, I honestly think Andrew Thomas is the offensive MVP for the New York Giants. And I oh, know yeah. Tom and I know that Tom will vouch for me on that opinion too. No, and like I said to you before the show, I think Saquon has the most triple-digit running yard games so far, running back-wise, this year. Yeah, he's putting up numbers like Tiki Barber put up in like 04, 05, 06. And didn't he have a few 150-yard games, if I'm not mistaken, either? He might have, but... He had at least one or two, I know that. And he just looks... He looks amazing. Now, pray to God, cross everything you have on your body that he stays healthy and he doesn't get hurt again. Not that I ever wish anybody to get hurt. That's awful. But uh, if he stays the way he's he is. Three, he, he's had three triple-digit yards. And you're talking about the week one game against the Titans where he had 164. Yeah, he like broke out on a tear in week one. It was crazy. <clears throat> but yeah. Saquon makes this team go. As long as he's healthy, this team will compete and maybe make a run in the playoffs. You never know. And I would also say the same thing about Daniel Jones. I mean, the touchdown numbers might not be high, and I think that's why you might not want to make the commitment to Daniel Jones beyond 2023 per se. But let's be honest with ourselves. Would the Giants have won those games without Daniel Jones? I don't know. I have to give credit to Daniel Jones on one front, and it goes all the way back to the London game. With uh, against Green Bay, <clears throat> a few times he actually used his feet and ran out of the pocket for the first down. Quite a few times. The game and, time touchdown in that game was the most impressive one because that was the one where he was without Barkley and when he was with like a depleted <clears throat> receiver core. And that's why I give him credit because again he's using his feet. I wish Jack Wilson would believe it or not follow the Daniel Jones meth- method and move his feet because Daniel Jones is now learning. Wait, I don't have to have cement feet. I actually can use my feet and run for the first down. So I give him credit because now he's thinking I'm not stuck. I I should run and get the first down now. 
Now, by the way, I'm I'm just gonna say this. I'm not saying the Giants are gonna sweep Philadelphia. I think they, I think they're gonna split with them. But I think if there's any game that they win, it's probably gonna be the the one at MetLife. And if you look at what's happened the past few years, Giants have actually done better against Philadelphia lately. I mean, 2020 and 2021 were both splits against the Eagles, but still, for the most part, I look back at the certain incident that happened in New York Light Club, and that's when Philadelphia really started to own the Giants. But in any event, back to Philadelphia for a minute. Besides who hands them their first loss, the other question that I think should be asked is who's the best threat to even beat them in a playoff game? Wow, that's interesting. Because I have an answer that might not necessarily be the top one, but I know you agree with me on this one too. I think that the 49ers are a potential team that could beat them out of nowhere. Yes, I do agree with you on that one. I think. Christian McCaffrey is a game changer for the Niners, first of all. And I think the Eagle defense doesn't have that threat, uh, have that has, hasn't had to face that type of threat really on a running back point of view because they have a pretty, uh, besides facing Saquon in their division, it's pretty weak running backs wise in the NFC East. Um, but yeah, the Niners are definitely a threat. And then I would say Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I think Minnesota, but everyone was counting out Minnesota early on. They're what are they leading four by four games in the division after one half of the season? I mean, and they own the tiebreaker technically against Green Bay because they won the game early on in the in the year. So I would say Minnesota. I would say the 49ers. Yeah, I, I think that probably makes sense. And I say the 49ers, too, because I think they're going to eventually overtake the Seattle Seahawks for first place in the division. Right. And Seattle and the 49ers, that's an interesting uh, competitive force down in the NFC West. I oh, mean, and um, by the way, speaking of the Vikings, I think I see somebody gloating in the comments. I see it. <laughs> Tom, once again, I owe you an apology for sleeping on the Minnesota Vikings. I thought maybe as long as Aaron Rodgers was still quarterback of the Packers that they'd have a chance, but it's too bad. I don't have that sound effect because that's kind of what Aaron Rodgers is to fans right now. R E L A X. They're 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 done. I'm like, I, I cannot, every time I keep picking them, I get burned. I can't trust them. Hey, that's like when Johnny kept picking the box. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's Tom Brady. Like, and again, you can ask Tom, like Tom almost is like me with picking Tom Brady. Like, are you really going to go against him with the losing streak? And yeah, you know, you know, ironically, what was easy to pick Aaron Rodgers? I haven't had a problem going against Aaron Rodgers. Now, by the way, let me move on. And um, oh, we got another comment. Raw <laughs> and <I'm done>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So um, let's talk about our midseason MVP candidates. And I think one of the first names that I have to start off with on this list is, as I said, Jalen Hurts. Now, do I think this is a guy who could like have this success long term? Uh, probably not. I Because the Eagles have a pretty easy schedule and... I see a lot of parallels with this Eagles team that I do with the 2019 Baltimore Ravens. 
Well, yeah, because you're talking about Lamar and Lamar who had the success and then got hurt because, again, didn't really get proficient at throwing the football. And so he trusts his legs. And you notice, though, now that he's airing the football out more than he ever runs the football because someone probably got in his ear and said, hey, Lamar, you want to make that large contract in the offseason? You got to stop using your legs as much. People never learn when it comes to these Russian quarterbacks. They just, they never do. I mean, Kaepernick is an example of this. Oh my God. I haven't heard that name in ages (laughs) before. You know what? Everything happened. But Tua also, I think someone got in Tua's ear and said, Hey, you got hurt in college running the football. You got, you got a concussion now from running the football, uh, rushing the football. Maybe you need to throw it a little more. And guess what? They went out and did the right thing and got him the weapon so that they, he doesn't get hurt anymore. So you're right. Rushing quarterbacks don't work in the NFL. Well, yeah, for the most part, pretty much. They get hurt. So Jalen Hurts, I would say, is definitely one of them. Um, if he stays healthy, I would probably say Josh Allen's got to be a natural choice. But you also have to put his receiver up there, too. Oh, yeah. I, I had mentioned to you Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs looks like he's, he's got a whole new uh, rejuvenation out with Buffalo. He just looks like a whole different guy. Him, John, that combo between Allen and, and Diggs just looks otherworldly. And I was going to say the same thing with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. You have to put A.J. Brown up there in a discussion because he looks so great after the change of scenery out of Tennessee. Um, Garth actually mentioned this to one of to one of our group chats he said austin eckler could be one of them that's not a bad choice he looks really good so far and he's he's rpoing at white <laughs> <laughs> oh man but i was gonna say eckler has been good on the rpo a lot like just using he can run the football they're throwing him the football a lot and it's working mm-hmm. can you imagine if he was on an even more dangerous team what would happen <laughs> Adam says, ah, not so sure about the running QB thing not working. I mean, look, I, I get it. The, it's the not line, a definite. We're it's just not definite. It's just for the the ones that like do it long term. That's the issue. And Tom agrees with us. Eventually, the older they get, they ha- they have to throw in order to stick around. So I don't entire it like like I said, I don't entirely disagree that a running quarterback is bad, but like if you're gonna they don't last long term. And again. Look how many running quarterbacks eventually got phased out of the NFL. Well, let me let me ask you another th- a theory. When you look at the Super Bowls over the years that have won, can you name one quarterback that was mostly rushing the football? Because I certainly can't think of one. Michael Vick never even came close. Right. And everyone said Michael Vick was like the best, what, five-tool quarterback there was out there. <laughs> but his game was flawed partially because all he did was run and they would stack the box constantly because he was running. Michael Vick may have been fun to use in Madden 04, like, and you could win a Super Bowl with him, but in real life it doesn't work. I'll give you another one. And this is going way back. Tim Tebow. Oh gosh. Tim Tebow. Everyone said, Oh my God, he's going to be this amazing uh, quarterback. Cause he he's going to run the football. The arm. He did not have the arm to succeed. Talk about, Tim about- Tebow's windup looked looked like it took longer than Fernando Valenzuela. <laughs> it's true, but that's my point. So to go back to that whole issue of Russian quarterback versus the modern day game of throwing the football, no teams 
And teams are getting scared off by the rushing quarterback. Am I wrong, though? No, you're no, you're right. I thought that was a good example. So, I mean, people can get mad at it all they want, like that they say that rushing quarterbacks work. Unfortunately, they don't, and teams are not paying for them. Think about it. Why do you think the Ravens are pushing back on the $250 million or $300 million contract to Lamar? Now, part of that has to do with Deshaun Jackson got way overpaid by the Browns for the dumbest reason in all of history, but Lamar Jackson should not be getting paid $250 million or $300 million. I'd be afraid of him getting hurt, and then all my money goes down the drain. Yep. That would be pretty, yeah, that would be pretty disastrous. And not to mention, I think we know what happened the last time the Ravens paid big bucks on a quarterback. He rode the coattails of a Super Bowl win and really didn't do much. I'm not oh, exactly. wait, you mean a certain backup quarterback that's now in the Jets organization? You mean a certain arm punt. Yes, Joe Flacco. <laughs> uh, another MVP that I was going to get to before we went on that tangent, I would say Austin Eckler is a sleeper in that department. He has some, I think he, he might be like leading the league in rushing touchdowns. He is. One, yep. of the best, one of the best weapons that Justin Herbert has, who you could also probably make a case as an MVP. Well, and his coach is not doing him any favors out there. It's like you said earlier, he's leading his own team. That's not usually how it goes. The coach is usually leading your way, and then your quarterback is leading the on-field. Herbert is like leading everything. Ask um, Mike McCarthy how that how it worked out having your quarterback lead. You may have gotten a Super Bowl out of it, but that's all. Just the one Super Bowl. Yeah, but I guess, well, we're seeing kind of the misfortunes of Aaron Rodgers now. Um... Tom and I have discussed this numerous times, but we have to include Saquon Barkley in there. I agree with you a hundred percent. Saquon is the leader of this team right now in every way, shape or form. Because I don't, I don't think the giants are win as if you take Saquon out off the giants, that's probably two or three less wins. I they certainly don't win the Titans game without that performance from Saquon Barkley. This is going to be harsh. I think that they're close to 500 if Saquon's not in the lineup, to be honest. Or close they might be. They're not even over. What? Close to 500. I don't even know if they're over. I, I'm just trying to be fair, like partial. That like they may, they, at best, they'd be 500. And... However, again, like I said, I also think if you're going to put Saquon in there, then you should also discuss Andrew Thomas. And no, agreed, totally. And but Saquon is leading the direction of this team. He gets the football 20 to 30 times a game. It's almost like back to year one when he was playing and he was constantly getting the football and they were grounding and pounding through him. And I can't remember if it was the game against the Packers, that swing move that he had where he went one direction and then went totally around the other direction and basically scored a touchdown. I think, I think that was in London against the, uh, the Packers. Without Barkley their way. Yeah. I don't disagree. You know what? No, you, if you're going <laughs> to, I'm, I was making semantics. I get it. I know they they wouldn't be as great a team. I'm just trying to be fair because you don't the way the NFL goes. You don't know if you're missing your star player. You could get lucky into a few games or not. So that's all I was trying to say. <laughs> so now let's move on to the last part of the discussion. Since I think we're pretty much running out of time here, it's getting a little bit close to eight thirty. Let's talk about the. Uh, 
week 10 NFL games that are coming up. We got some pretty good ones this week. And I'm going to start with you. What's one matchup that you're looking forward to? Uh, Minnesota and Buffalo. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that one's going to be huge because obviously you have one of the top teams in the NFC and then a Bills team that, you know, for a while was running rough shot over the league. But now they have a question mark, a major question mark in their quarterback. Now, I don't know if you guys do picks on these games when you do them, but I'll just say that I would be very careful when leaning on Buffalo this week, because even if he plays, there's going to be a lot of compensation on that injury to protect it, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that, but I might consider taking Buffalo because, I mean, you still may have a decent backup quarterback in there. It's at home, and the team is still pretty loaded. Actually, ironically, the Minnesota Miracle. Yes, Case Case Keenum. (laughs) I mean, who would have thought? Can you imagine if Case Keenum started and threw that touchdown to Diggs? Oh, my God. (laughs) Diggs, sideline, (laughs) touchdown. Unbelievable. That will forever rank number one for me as Joe Buck's best call. That was one of the greatest, and I'm not the biggest Joe Buck fan, but that one was one of the best of all time. I'm going to be honest, Joe Buck's actually kind of grown on me like over the years. Like as He, he seems to- better at ESPN for some reason. I don't know why. Well, I say this also because I took a few sports broadcasting classes when I was in college, and I learned why Joe Buck was good at what he did, essentially, and... My favorite thing that he does is he'll call the victory, like he'll make his call last out of the World Series, and then he'll shut up and let the whole picture tell the whole story. I like it. Yeah. That's a veteran move. And he does the same thing with like football games. Whenever there's a big play, he'll pause for like maybe a good 10 minutes and then he'll like retell the whole thing. Which is good because sometimes you don't want to talk you don't you don't want to talk over the call as it's happening. Like the only way that works is if you're a radio broadcaster. Marlon calling calling (laughs) streakers going on the field. (laughs) Hey, I mean, I feel bad for the game. He's got a call this week. Yeah, I Um, I think he. I I don't know which game he's calling. I have to look. Johnny's better at that stuff. But Thursday night football is an interesting game, but for all the wrong reasons. Well, yeah, because you're talking about what the uh, was it the NFC South? Marigota and and PJ Walker. Yeah. Yeah, the. The NFC South, like you said, is kind of Tampa Bay is kind of plugged in until someone decides to beat them. So Seattle and Tampa, that's going to be an interesting game. We'll see. In Munich, Germany. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know why everyone's favoring Tampa when Tampa Bay can't win a game. (laughs) I mean, I know they won a game, but. Well, you know why. Thomas Patrick Edward Brady. But you have to admit, Gino is somehow having a resurgence at the quarterback position. <laughs> I know that's killing you on the inside. It, oh, of course it's killing me on the inside. It, I'm having the PTSD as a Jet fan here. Uh, Kansas City-Jacksonville is actually an intriguing game just because of the quarterback matchup. Yes, but I and the line is kind of big on it too, but I I don't think there's going to be an issue. Kansas City better win. That would be embarrassing if they didn't. Well, then you got Miami against Cleveland. I think Miami needs to do a better job defensively, but I think they're going to be okay with the acquisition of Bradley Chubb, which, again, as I said, was an absolute steal. 
this is Miami's uh, coming out party. They better win this game by a lot. And that, and I'm serious. They better win it by a lot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, I've been asked, what is Seattle's record on the road? And I think they've only lost. I don't think they've lost too many games on the road, actually. They've been one of the better teams, period. I mean, they're playing amazing on the road. Now, first of all, road record doesn't really come into play here because it's a neutral site game in Germany. So I wouldn't consider this a road. It'd be technically a road game for both teams. Yeah, no, I would probably have to agree with that. And let me, again, look up the... uh, I'm trying to look it up myself. I'm going to beat you to it because I have my... um, I'm like faster with my fingers typing. Sorry to say. (laughs) No, you're good. Uh, Yeah, no, they've... Two of the three games that they lost were on the road. So slightly better, but still six and three is six and three. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You, I mean, if you lose all your games on the road, I'm and you, well, I shouldn't say all your games, but if you lose a few games on the road, you're still six and three. I don't want to hear complaining about games on the road. Give me a break. The only one they, the only loss that should really be of a concern is the 49er game. Agreed, because that has to do with the that has to do with the uh, division. I don't agree with that take though. No, that's true. I agree, but I don't want to hear what's Seattle's road record when they're six and three. I mean. Six and three is six and three. It's the same thing with the Jets and the Giants, which we didn't expect the records to be. Now, both teams are playing amazing on the road, ironically. And so, you knew going into Seattle was going to be a struggle for the Giants. Yes, because Seattle is a tough place to play in. Totally. So, obviously, I have to go with the game that I'm really interested in. That's Giants against the Houston Texans that will start at 1 p.m. at MetLife. That is a game that could potentially be a trap yes. for the New York Giants. And but you look at the way the Texans are, I think the Giants should be able to handle their end this week. I mean I think I, it's the game next week that I think the game next week is going to be more of a trap for the Giants personally. I agree with you, but you can't lose to the Davis Mills experience. No, of course not. <laughs> Can you imagine if we have to hear that headline after this week's game? Giants lose the Davis Mills experience after bye week. Now, I do want to bring up the one thing. You had the injury issue that came up during the bye week for the Giants. And I'm not saying that injuries happen, okay? But what were you doing on an ATV in Mexico during the off week? Seriously, an ATV? It's the new Beach Boys. (laughs) But you have to know that's in your contract, that you can't be doing that stuff well i you know what that reminds me of <laughs> you know exactly what that reminds me of what take the a certain take that you had that proved right oh yes you're talking about the tatis take yes <laughs> uh another interesting one we've got denver against tennessee i think denver might have a shot winning because you know tennessee has an iffy quarterback situation but even then i'm not convinced i mean <clears throat> Uh, again, we're talking about the hack as the coach here, but yeah, that's right. I shouldn't really trust. I mean, let me um, do a thing that Tom probably would do right now if he were on air. Mike Vrabel, Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> Mike Vrabel, Nathaniel Hackett. Ah, <laughs> that was good. That's what Tom. Yeah, that's what Tom does whenever like there's a mismatch between coaches. Yeah, give me the Titans there. 
Yeah, I mean, the Titans have been playing hot football. You can't debate it. They've been playing good football. Well, as long as uh, Derrick Henry is healthy and willing to run for a thousand yards a game. Notice there's some games I'm glossing over, but I have reasons that I'm glossing. No, over. no, totally, totally. Because uh, Colts, Colts, Vegas, the less said about that game, the better. And how on earth do you give Vegas six and a half point favorite? I don't care how messy the Colts situation well, is. The only interest of that game is obviously Jeff Saturday being the head coach now. And you have a 30 year old calling the offensive play calls that has never done it before. That's the only of interest you would have in that game. Yeah, regardless, Not- those are two shit shows. And Devontae Adams is went from being the top wide receiver to being the biggest joke on the wide receiver side in the NFL. <clears throat> yeah, I probably should have taken less money to stay with Aaron. But um <laughs> Packers, uh Packers Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Cowboys. Did you see the fun fact on that one? The uh Mike McCarthy when he was with the or what was it when he was with the Packers, but the Cowboys were what was it, one and eight or something? Or was it the other way around? And Mike McCarthy was the coach for most of those games. I think it was the Packers. When he was with the Packers, they were that was the record. And then now he's on the other side of that. <laughs> think about that. And then you got Arizona and LA. Somebody's gonna end up being out of it, whoever whoever loses that game. And I think it's gonna be Arizona. <laughs> yep. Now here's the one that I'm really looking forward to and as Garth said, I am glad that they flex this one. 49ers against the Chargers. That is a great game. Who do you got winning that one? I mean, you have the battle of two really good running backs. I'll give you that much. <laughs> Between uh, Eckler, Eckler and McCaffrey. Eckler yeah, that's going to be amazing. Now with the... That's going to be a battle of the ground and pound, even though there's some great wide receivers. Now, I don't think Keenan Allen is healthy, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. Talk about someone who's been a little bit of a disappointment over the last couple of years, Keenan Allen. Um, I like the Niners. I really do. I like the way they're playing football right now. And CMC looks like a whole new rejuvenated running back out there. Yeah, I'm having a hard time betting against the hot team. Give me the 49ers. And then last but not least, Philadelphia and Washington at FedEx Field, Monday Night Football. Wow. Um to win, but I know it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles are going to win this game. It's just a matter of do they cover and uh, win by whatever a touchdown and a field goal, whatever it is. <clears throat> um, the Commanders, I can't be mad at them. The way they've been playing and Heineke's been playing since Carson Wentz has been a giant bust and keeps getting hurt everywhere he ends up. I mean, heck, did you see what the Commanders were doing to sell their season tickets up on the scoreboard? Um... They had Heineke up there, not Carson Wentz. <laughs> you can't make this up. You really can't make this up. Yeah, no, I would definitely. Carson Wentz. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy because we were looking at Jalen Hurts and thinking, oh, it was a mistake that he just placed him. Now look what's happened to Carson Wentz. And by the way, I have to give the commanders, the players credit on a big front. Because of all the issues going on behind the scenes and Dan Snyder, the owner for now, uh, consulting Bank of America to finally sell the team. So now sound effect I wish I had right now, because I know you love doing that on your show. What the buzzer or the alarm? Ken Harrelson. He gone. Oh, that that would have been great. He gone. Um, 
So and now they're talking about KD and Jay Z and Jeff Bezos, like all getting together and owning the. First of all, that would be insane if that happened. Right now, is that a conflict of interest if Jeff Bezos owns the Commanders and has his games on Amazon? Probably. <laughs> That's another story for another day. I would probably say that it is. Oh well. <laughs> but in any event. That's really all we have for to discuss today on this episode of Reaving Preview. Nick, I had a lot of fun talking some uh, football with you. Oh, hold on a second. Oh, never mind. Sorry, I thought my screen was frozen for a second. I've got way too, <laughs> I've got way too many tabs open here. Let's I've see. been there. <laughs> but um, in any event, before we go, uh, Nick, would you do me a huge favor and plug yourself? All right, so you can find our sports show, Empty the Bench, at ETB Sports, across all social media platforms. Uh, if you want to find Empty the Bench Podcast Network, it's at ETB Network, across all social media platforms, youtube.com slash ETB Network on YouTube for the network. Also, make sure you find Hank and Johnny on my network, uh, at Game On ETB, across all social media platforms, except for Instagram, at Game On underscore ETB. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> Awesome. And as far as uh, this show goes, please don't forget to follow us on all of our social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Review and Preview Sports. And of, please, please, and of course, please don't forget to hit that big red button down below. Give us a like. Give us a comment. Let us know your thoughts. We want to hear from you guys. Folks, you have watched another episode of Review and Preview. I am sure that our buddy Tom will be back next week for the next episode of review and preview. And as far as who his co-host goes, we will not know for sure. You'll probably be seeing me on a good amount of episodes sometime down the line, but it's going to be pretty much a revolving door. But with that having been said until next time, I'm Hank and Dichter, and I will see you guys later for another episode of review and preview. Good night, everybody. <laughs>